The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Well, this is the last Sunday of this series that we've been doing, the story of the gospel. And this is radical. I hope you understand how radical the gospel is. If you, if you look at this, if you study it, take some time and really study what the gospel is, and then compare that to Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam or, or any other religion on the face of the earth, it is incredibly unique. It isn't like anything like all the others. The gospel is the core of our faith. And so every other theology, all of them, every other theology must come into line with the gospel. If a theology contradicts the gospel, it's a heresy. If it's not true to the gospel, it should be flat out absolutely rejected. Any truth, any teaching. You know, with the internet now... You can literally get every kook and fruit and nut and flake and wacko on the planet doing videos teaching from the Bible. Okay, And I've seen some of them myself. Unbelievable things that you see about how uh, just nuts. I won't go into it, but just so, so much stuff out there. Good way to measure that, whether or not it's true, whether or not it's from God. Does it contradict the gospel? If it goes against the gospel, if it contradicts in any way, any way, even the slightest way, reject it completely. It is not the truth. It is not a part of God. The way the Lord has shaped our faith around the scriptures is that the center of it is the gospel. And from out there, you go outward to all other teachings that there are. And so they must all line up with the truth of the gospel. The gospel tells us who God is. You want to know who God is? Study the gospel. Look at it. It, just, it describes who he is. This one-of-a-kind, most unique, most powerful, wonderful, amazing being in the universe, even beyond the universe. Have you seen the, the pictures from the Hubble telescope? How cool those are and how they can see thousands and millions of miles into space and all these amazing cool things and and god he lives and he exists in that and beyond that he is full of joy full of life full of love continually completely all throughout time with never no end god is simply the most loving amazing joy-filled exuding joy person in all of the world and the gospel describes who he is the gospel also tells us who our enemies are we learn that they we have these two evil monsters in the world and they're constantly attacking us constantly opposing us resisting us coming against us If you're a Christian, these things are nipping at your heels night and day. Never rest, never get tired, and never go away. You know that demons and the devil, they are eternal beings. 
so they don't die and never will die. They'll live forever. And because they've been around a lot longer than you have, think about it, thousands of years old, how smart you would be. Just from experience, I mean, you've got, you know, when you bring a young guy on in your business and, you know, you've been in the business for a long time, 20, 30 years, and you've learned all these things and you, you, you've forgotten more than you've learned by now and it's all automatic. And then you get some wet behind the ears kid out of college is 20 and thinks he knows everything and he doesn't know a hoot, Right? Well, these demons have been around so long, they, are, they, have just lived, they have got a wisdom and knowledge, supernatural knowledge, just from experience alone. And so because they don't die, they have no reason to change. So when they have attached themselves to a family, they stay with that family through every generation, all along, going all the way back. So your family line going back thousands of years, and they are still with your family today, parked on your front porch, going after you night and day, trying to get you to sin, trying to get you to deny God, trying to get you to give up on your faith, trying to get you to be against God, to curse him, reject him, leave him, quit going to church, quit being a good person, quit following the Bible, attacking you constantly night and day. You feel it, don't you? You feel it. You know it. It's true. That's why Paul said, the Apostle Paul, he said, we don't fight against, our struggle in life is not against flesh and blood. Now right there, the gospel defines who our enemies are. Look around the room. That's not your enemy. This isn't your enemy. I wish every church member would realize that. Not the enemy. Sometimes I feel like you got a big target, you know. <laughs> Don't hurt my Seahawks. <laughs> I've been doing this too long. <laughs> we don't fight against flesh and blood. That's not our enemy. We fight against rulers, authorities in the unseen world, mighty powers in the dark world, Evil spirits in heavenly places. That's who your enemy is. The gospel tells me who my enemies are. The gospel tells us what sin does and what it does to us personally, how it affects us. The gospel tells us who we are. I know who I am because of the gospel. I know this about myself, that I'm not better than you. And I also know because of that, you're not better than me. I'm not worse than you, and you're not worse than me. See, the gospel tells me that. It tells me who I am. And so, the, when the, how does the gospel apply to Bill Gates? It applies to him exactly the same as it does to you and me. Now, how can that be? He's a billionaire. He has a security force. <laughs> He's got a 44,000 foot square foot home. Do you realize the church is 17,000 square feet? 44,000. What do you <laughs> I guess you got to spend the money somewhere. 
Maybe he plans on having 35 children, too. You never know. Or maybe his head is just huge. Well, forget about Bill Gates. How does the Bible apply to Kim Kardashian? How does the gospel apply to Billy Graham? Treat Billy Graham different? Most holy, reverend, amazing, amazing person. Faithful, committed, follower of Christ. Gospel, treat him any different than you and me. No. No. He's no better than you. And you're no worse than him. Now that's pretty transforming. That changes a lot of things. That puts inside of me all of a sudden this new confidence that other people don't have. It's, it's remarkable. You in, in war, in battle, soldiers who are convinced of the gospel and convinced that it applies to them are not afraid to die. They've already conquered that. They've already faced that. They're the most fierce fighting warriors on, uh, in, the, in the armed service because they've already faced those fears. They know where they're going. It's been dealt with. It transforms. It gives us great confidence. The gospel tells us how to live our lives. Every single behavior should be weighed whether or not it is in line with the truth of the gospel. Is this in line with the truth of the gospel? So back to the core again. Is how I'm living my life, my life, does it line up with the truth of the gospel? If it doesn't, I've got a problem. I could find myself opposing God. You know, God forbid. You know, when you make another Christian your enemy, you're siding with the devil. You're opposed to God. God has now become somebody you're against. <gasps> what? How oh, may it never be? I'm a committed follower. Well, yeah. When you make another Christian your enemy, you now jump to the other side. And you are now fighting, hating, bitter toward the Lord. The gospel is so transformative. Now listen, this is where I want to pick up. All that was review. Of course, you guys all knew that. You memorized all those things. When you see a slide up here that has a little Q on it, that means it could be on the quiz for this week's community group. So pay attention to those. The gospel tells us how to worship. Quite frankly, it tells us how to have church. Now, we don't have a whole lot of details how they had church at the beginning. We know a few things. When Jesus ascended into heaven and then they started meeting together. So we know a, a couple things of how they, they, they worship together, but not a whole lot. We know far more from the gospel. The gospel tells us what kind of church we should have and it doesn't matter anywhere. It could be right in the middle of Seattle. It could be in, in Las Vegas. It could be in San Francisco. It could be in New York. It could be in the middle of the jungles in Papua New Guinea. And we know how church should be by the gospel. Because of the gospel, I can take the risk of being known 
and knowing others. Now, how is that possible? You know, some people don't want to be known. Some people just don't want to be known. And so the best place to, to be is in a huge church, right? As you walk in with 10,000 people, ain't nobody knows who you are. And you don't know anyone. And in fact, it's very easy to slip right in and never talk to a single person. And so it's a great place to hide. Not, I'm not against big churches, but I'm just saying that some people don't want to be known. I, I was, for my, my real job, I was out in the boonies. Uh, this is like, um, you go to Bonnie Lake, then you go through uh, Buckley, and then you go through Enumclaw, and then you go to no man's land. So that's where I was. My cell phone wouldn't work. Okay, that tells you how far out it was. So I'm out there, and I'm, I'm going, trying to find this guy's house, and every single property has a sign that says, no trespassing. And, I mean, these people moved out there for a reason, right? They prefer animals over people. So I, I, I figure, okay, I think this is the house. So I'm going down this long driveway, and I pull up, and there, honest to God, there's a guy there with a shotgun, and he says, starts screaming at me, cussing at me, this is private property. I'm like, I'm an, I'm, I'm an appraiser. I'm trying to appraise the property. And, and I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got the wrong address. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get my car turned on. Take off. He jumps in his pickup truck and comes zooming after me. I think, oh, I'm dead. I'm going to heaven. Today's my day. Please take care of my family, Lord. I, I realize I can't escape this guy. I stop. He jumps out and says, oh, 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 sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're supposed to, you're the praiser? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's my house. You're supposed to do my house. <laughs> I was like, your, your property just dropped 80 grand. <laughs> Some people don't want to be known. And for a lot of reasons, a lot of good reasons. Right? If you've been burned in church, if you've been humiliated and exposed by another Christian or somebody in leadership, you don't want to go there. I met a guy one time, he was a fisherman in Alaska. And if you know anything about that trade, that that career, it's it's rough. I mean, it's rough. And he said to me, if I go in the building, I'll get hit by lightning. It was dead serious. He just thought, my very existence is blaspheme against God. And so some people, they, out of fear, and because they don't know the gospel, they don't realize that I am no better than a criminal. And I am no worse either. And so I can be in the presence of God and people can know all my junk and it's okay because the gospel says who I am and the gospel says I'm forgiven. I'm okay. I'm accepted. I'm welcome. When Jesus walks in the room, he looks me straight in the eye and smiles and says, come on over here. Give you a big hug. 
I know that I'm no better, no worse. I'm able to join a community group. Some people are so afraid. Oh, my, oh, I get in a community group. I mean, it's bad enough on church, but again, with five or six or ten people, they're going to find out I'm a fraud. They're going to find out that I'm not a good Christian. I smoke. They might find out I drink. Oh. So I can't go to a community group. I don't want to be known. See, the gospel says I can take those risks of being known and knowing others because of where I stand before God. And his opinion of me matters more than anyone else. In fact, his is the only opinion that matters is the Lord's. So it gives me a great confidence, doesn't it? It gives me, empowers me to be a part of this thing called church. The second thing is we leave our, because we have the gospel, we leave our excuses at the door. And we welcome the truth. The truth sets us free. That means, essentially, you pull your own weight. You do your fair share. I mean, you're part of the community of faith, and so you're a volunteer. You get involved. You jump into the thing because of the gospel, because you know who you are. And so you, you don't have any excuses. There's no pious, righteous, self-righteous, religious attitude. We just jump right in. Nor do we wallow in guilt and shame and hide ourselves and, 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 and think, I'm, I'm not worthy of the ministry. I can't serve. I can't uh, pretend that I'm a better Christian than I'm not. Yes, you can. I do it all the time. <laughs> you know, we don't wallow in guilt and shame. You know, when the devil accuses you of being a bad person, just do this. Well, you know, devil, you're absolutely right. Bingo! Nailed me. You got me. 100% true. I'm a wretch. What else can he do? What else can he say? You're agreeing with him, right? And so, discussion's over, right? It's, so, it's absolutely true. I am a wretched person. Totally loved. Loved with a love you can't comprehend, devil. You know nothing about this kind of love. It's amazing. Totally loved. Totally accepted. So, <laughs> you take that and smoke it. I belong to God. You know, we run into the presence of God. We don't walk. We don't hold back. We don't have this quiet reserve. Oh. European, so I don't sing, or whatever. We don't hold back. We're not ashamed. We're not afraid. You run into the presence of God with full confidence and full joy. I can worship God with all that's in me because I'm loved so much. So much has been forgiven, and I'm so grateful. I'm not ashamed of you, Lord. I'm not ashamed to call out your name because you've forgiven me of so much. 
I mean, you let me off the hook. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. You forgave me. You washed it away. I'll never be ashamed of you. We don't, because of the gospel, we don't wait around for others to do what God has told us to do. Because we recognize our huge need for God and our total dependence upon Him. So we jump in. We get involved. We do our part. We don't sit there and say, well, uh, Brother Frank will take care of that, or sister, we don't use those terms, but I don't know. I mean, somebody else will do that. Well, they need help with the children's ministry. Well, somebody else will do that. Well, they need help with the parking lot. We need somebody to weed the parking lot. Anybody here a green thumb? No green thumbs. We're cursed. <laughs> the parking lot, the, 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 the grounds are filling up with weeds. Are you expecting me to do it? On my free time? I mean, I'll help. But why do I have to do it all by myself? Such as my church. If this is the church of John, well then things are going to change around here. Okay? We're going to sign each of you up for a payment list and you're going to, I'm going to tell you how much you have to pay. It's Church of John. No, this is God's church. So are you going to let it look so crummy through the summer? Why don't you call me or email me? Look at the program there. The information's there. And say, hey, my kids have been rotten this week. We'll be over there and they'll be weeding for hours. Let me tell you, it's a great discipline tool. I use it all the time. But no joke, we need help. It looks ugly. Number four, we don't go to church to become a better Christian. I'm not here to become a better Christian. We come to church to embrace Jesus. Amen. That's why we're here. If your goal is to become a better Christian, your focus is all wrong. You got the wrong focus because then the focus is on you and your works, your good works. It's on you and your righteousness. If that's the goal, then forget grace. Forget God's work. You see, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to anyone who believes and also my transformation. Is that God transforms me and changes me because of the gospel. It is not a work that I do. The gospel is a 100% free. So I don't come here to kind of earn brownie points with God. Oh, God, well, I was there every Sunday in 2015. I should get an extra blessing. I gave money every week. Lord, help me out. Right? So that's not why we go to church. We go to embrace Jesus. We love Jesus. Being a part of him as a family of believers. That's the whole point of it. Coming together. That's our focus. We don't stand coldly waiting for someone else to make us comfortable. Right? Because we know, right? Jesus paid it all for us. Such a, a massive price that he paid. Amen. It makes other people incredibly valuable. Priceless. 
Every person you see here is worth $50 billion. And so that motivates us to not stand coldly, standoffish, but to engage, to open our hearts, to welcome, say, hey, how are you? Glad to see you. Glad you're here. We never look around the room to see who's the most spiritual. Because the minute we start doing that, we go against the gospel, for one. We now are opposed to the gospel. And we've become a social club. And it's all about who looks the best, who has the nicest car, who gives the most money, you know, who is, who is the, the, really the good Christian, you know, who prays the loudest and uses the right terms. You know, you gotta, you got to say, God. <laughs> it's not a social club. We make friends. It can be like a club at times, but that's not what it is because the gospel says we don't care who's the most spiritual. We give a flying rip how spiritual you are. We love you because you're precious. We would rather stand in the presence of God drenched in sin and weep at his mercy then leave here the exact same way we came. What a tragedy. What an absolute tragedy. They come in here with these heavy, heavy burdens of guilt and shame and then carry it home with you. The gospel tells us you just come in and lay it at his feet and lay those burdens at his feet and just with wholehearted abandonment, worship God and love on Jesus cry and weep, have sorrow. And lastly, we take the risk of loving people who will not only reject our love, but they might even be hostile towards that love. And we love them anyway. And why? Because every person you see is in the same boat. Like we like to say, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. And the gospel doesn't treat people differently. You're no better than Adolf Hitler. That's what the gospel says. You see how radical that is? (laughs) You're no better than him. You're no worse. We stand as one. Everyone needs a savior, whether you know it or not. Because of the gospel, I love God for who he is. I love him for who he is. You know, you grow past, I love you for what you give me. It starts with that, right? Like a child. You know, I love you, Daddy and Mommy, because you pick me up, love me, and feed me. And then by the time they hit 55, they grow out of that. Oh. Okay, well, hopefully 20. 
some of you ladies are like, yeah, he's, he still hasn't grown out of it. <laughs> but you begin to love God just for who he is. Just for who he is. Because he loves you. And that's it. That's all you need. And you love him. And you want to show him that love in every way you can. Because of the gospel, I love the Bible. I love reading the Bible. I love spending time in the Bible. Because of the gospel, I love people. All people. Red and yellow, black and white. All of them. I love them. Because of the gospel, we hate the devil. We hate sin. We hate injustice. We hate division and strife and jealousy and gossip. Because of the gospel, we love generosity. We love to pray. And we love to minister out of the gifts the Holy Spirit has given us. See, the gospel is everything to the Christian. It's everything. It's our, both our salvation and our daily bread. It's both. You know, if you're listening to me today and you're, you're, you haven't come to that place where you haven't quite decided, you're still on the fence and maybe I'll be a Christian, maybe I won't. Why don't you just get off the fence today? You've heard all these talks on the gospel. Don't you think it's time now where you could take just a small step of faith I'm not asking you to sacrifice all your children, okay? Just take one small step of faith and say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I know that I I, I need a Savior. I humble myself. Jesus, be my Savior. Love me. That simple little prayer, we call it the sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation. And get that relationship started today. Would you? Just take that little step of faith. Let's pray together. And I'll pray. And and you pray in the privacy of your own mind. And maybe you need to pray. You're already a Christian. But you haven't been living in line with the truth of the gospel. And you need to ask God's forgiveness. Why don't you do that too? Get, Get back in line. And Put your faith and trust in the Lord again. Father, we come before you in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins. There's so many that we don't even know the full depth of it. We humble ourselves, Lord, and ask you to forgive us and cleanse us from all our sinfulness. Be my Savior, Jesus, and renew the joy of my salvation so the next time I come into worship, my hands go up, my heart beats full, and I sing and rejoice of the love of God. Lord, we ask these things in faith. 
In Jesus' name, amen.